1: Hello, and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Want to stay up to date on the latest news and research about boys? Subscribe to Building Boys Bulletin. It's a weekly newsletter that contains inspiration and encouragement, as well as links to and highlights of relevant articles, videos, and podcasts. I comb through the news so you don't have to. Get Building Boys Bulletin delivered directly to your inbox each Monday for $5.99 a month or $60 a year. To subscribe, go to buildingboys.net, enter your email, and click the red checkmark. You'll be taken directly to the subscription page. My number one goal as a parent is to raise decent human beings. As most of you know, that is a whole lot easier said than done. Our boys are growing up in a world full of bad examples. And frankly, they see a lot of people being rewarded, or at the very least, not penalized for bad behavior. Remember, Harvey Weinstein was a celebrated Oscar-winning producer for years. Things, of course, are beginning to change. Uh, Harvey had a lot to do with that. The Me Too movement has empowered women to come forward and really caused a lot of us parents of boys to wrestle with some important questions. And for a lot of us, the most important one has become, how do I not raise a jerk? Our guest today is Kara Kinney Cartwright. She is a mom of two grown sons, and she is the author of a brand new book, Just Don't Be an Asshole, a book that is designed to provide young men with a framework for how to treat others and themselves with respect and dignity. Welcome, Kara. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself and where the idea for this book came from. How did we get to this book that will very soon be on sale everywhere?
2: The idea for the title of the book actually came from my editor at Penguin Random House, Matthew Benjamin. And he his sons are coming into adolescence themselves, and he just had this idea that there should be a book called Don't Be an Asshole. And it should be a book that acknowledges that as parents, we want our sons to grow up strong and to be brave, but also just don't be an asshole. (laughs) We want them to be good men. So he had that concept in his mind. So at the time when they approached me about writing it, my sons were about to graduate high school and college in the same week. I felt like this is just the perfect opportunity to get down my insurance policy on everything I want to say to them before they go out in the world <laughs> so that I could say, I can just do a mental check on myself and then also have it for them and trick them into reading it, right? My <laughs> my last <Right>? lecture. <laughs> because
1: as our kids are graduating, that's when our heads just start to spin. All of a sudden you're like, well, wait, did I did I cover this? Did we talk about this? Do they know all those things that you wonder, did I teach them what I really meant to teach them?
2: That's right. and I identify with what you're saying so much because when your kids are coming into the teen years, I feel like there's this perfect storm of you're less influential over your children and also the time you have left with them is growing very short. And the situations that they are entering as adolescents and young adults are becoming more and more fraught. So with all of that happening at the same time, it's really tough to know how much of your messaging is getting through. I relate
1: to that so much. Um as our listeners know, I have four sons. The oldest is 22 living independently, working. Mm-hmm. I have a 19-year-old at college and I still have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old at home. So yeah, like I don't even know who's going to be home when. Yes. And if they're eating here, much less if I can. Is this a
2: good time to talk about consent, children? Yes, yes. It's so hard. It's so hard because your bandwidth is narrowing, right? You just have so much less opportunity with them. Yes.
1: So I have to ask straight up the question that's been on my mind the most since I heard about and got your book. My big concern as a parent and as a writer working on a project like this would be like, my kids are gonna do something incredibly stupid. And here I'm gonna have this book coming out saying, don't be an asshole. And they just (laughs) did the most assholey thing in the world.
2: So yes. was that a concern at all? It is. And especially now, because writing, you know, is very solitary and, you know, the book is inside your head for a very long time before people actually start to read it and yeah. talk about it. So now I feel like I'm in the jinxiest possible time. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so, I get it. You, yes. you know, you've raised your boys and I'm, how old are they now, if I may ask? So my younger son turned 19 this week and my older son is 22.
1: Okay. So they're just like my older two. So, you know, I have basic confidence that they are basically decent people. Mm -hmm. And I still hold my breath because they are also at the same time, very capable of doing stupid things.
2: Yes. As we all are, right. As we all are. So, so when people congratulate me or say, Oh, you must be so proud of your sons. I always say something like, so far, my good girlfriend has having some anxiety about this very issue. And she said she had a dream that both of my sons became pot smokers. <laughs> she said, I think this book is getting to me. I'm so nervous for you that something's going to
1: happen. So You know what? I'm so deep into this parenting thing too. Like that's still not a terrible scenario <laughs> out of all the things that they could do. Like now I'm thinking, which would be the, the worst bad thing? That my oh, kids gosh. could do that would make me look embarrassed on a media tour for a book yes. called "Don't Be an Asshole." <laughs>
2: well, I I try not to catastrophize it in my mind. I try to to just have faith, like you said, uh, that we've done everything we could, and they've never given us any reason to think they're going to do the wrong
0: thing. We've been very very
2: lucky in that way. Right.
0: So, Kara, I did not raise sons. I raised daughters. They're they're grown and out in the world, and I am curious about how your Boys reacted to this book. I I loved reading it because it's so succinct. And I can just imagine a tween or a teen picking up and going, oh, ooh, okay. Oh, she's talking about, oh, she's talking about sex. She's talking about mm-hmm. how to be with your family. And I I loved all the areas that you covered and that it is very, very informal, very chatty, very much like, oh, she's she." she wow, she knows me quite well. and But I'm (laughs) curious what that voice was and how your own sons responded to that.
2: I think part of where the voice comes from is my nervousness as a parent uh, and my need to get that information out in such a direct and brief way that if I only get 10 seconds, maybe something's going to go in there, right? That's going to Get yeah. down their brain, like these are the things I yell down the basement stairs after I see a story on the news that makes me nervous. <laughs> I am right with you.
0: Yeah, Can't you imagine so- them just taking the book into their bedroom or into the bathroom and.
2: That's my thought is that it'll be a good tool for parents to start conversations with their own kids. My hope is like if they open it and just look at one illustration, hopefully they'll get something out of that, that maybe at some point in their life will come back (laughs) into their brain. And I think they
1: will. You know, like (laughs) Janet, I I have the book. I've had the book around the house and it is so, it's very small and succinct. Like she said, this is not like a kind of book that you're going to hand to your kid and he will roll his eyes because it's huge. You can literally pick it up, open it up to a random page and there's going to be some visual or some word, some little thing that can get into your head. Like, okay, picking it up right now, random page, Um, cross at the crosswalk. Yes, I know you're tall and smart and fast and can get across four lanes and a medium on the diagonal in plenty of time. Cross at the crosswalk anyway. And obviously, you know, that's a relatively minor one compared Mm -hmm. to some of the big lessons, but everywhere, every page has some, how to talk about politics without being an asshole. This is on page 140. (laughs) I am seriously considering (laughs) copying and pasting and sending this to my 22 year old.
2: Yeah, it's tough. That's my hope that it'll be accessible to the boys and that they'll either it'll either make them cringe so hard or give them a laugh and you know make some kind of impression on them. My younger son, and since he's still living with us in the summertime because he's a college student, so it's a little harder for him to be generous with us because you know he's still here. (laughs) Um, And so his review, which to me was the highest praise in the world, was It's better than I thought. (laughs) That is super high praise. Wow, Kara. My older son, who has a little more distance from us, and so he can be a little more gracious and a little more open with us, he said, There's actually some good advice in here. He had to admit. One of the things that
1: I really love about this book, and it comes through very strongly, and I think this is resonating with your sons and will resonate with other boys, you don't condemn asshole behavior. Let me explain that a little more. You sort of have this recognition, likely because you are a mother of sons, that some of this behavior, this asshole phase, it's kind of a normal part of male adolescent development.
2: That's what we hope, right? So, and I think, I think it's really, really tough for parents when you're in in the thick of it, you know when you're you're in a home with fourteen and fifteen year old boys, like you hope it's temporary and you know their brain development is making them act this way, and you know the stresses they're under and the social pressures they're under, but you're just really really hoping that they 're coming out on the other side and you want to make sure you know you want to cut them a break and And be understanding. But at the same time, it's your job as a parent to establish standards for behavior toward other human beings. And so that's a really tough thing to do as a parent, because you feel empathy for what your teen is going through. uh, But at the same time, you see the man you want them to become, and you need to give them the tools to do that. So it's a challenge. It's
0: really tough. Part of what I also gleaned from this book is if we had a class in high school called Life 101, there's a lot of information in here about just life what do you do when you come upon an accident which i did last night by the way and oh gosh. All, you know it was he was fine do you keep driving do you stop do you what what do you do and you talk about that you call 911 if the person looks dangerous you wait till the police get there and like kind of all those things that we might not encounter in our daily lives with our kids so that they can see us handling it oh so remarkably, right? And calmly, mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. hope we will do in situations like that. But it's like you're kind of laying down that neural pathway of if this happens, here's how to be. And so some of that just general life advice is in here in such a an accessible way. That mm-hmm. hopefully it will be somewhere when it's needed to get pulled out of those files.
2: That's my hope. And, I, and that relates to you know, the timing of this project with my older son about to graduate college. We were so focused on getting the second one through high school, right? Yeah. So all the things that you know, when I start to envision him out in the world, living in his own place with his own people, doing his own thing you know, these are the things that I want him to be ready for.
0: Mm -hmm. What was your favorite chapter to write?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I'll have to say probably the one that hits closest to home is don't be an asshole to your family. And also, you know, the hardest one because, and many parents work really, really hard to create a safe environment inside the home. And it's the place where your children can most be themselves. But it also means that you are also on the receiving end of all the anxiety and stress and frustration that your teenagers are experiencing. And so that's not always a really fun place to be. Part of the theme of the book is we want our sons to recognize that other people are human beings. And the very last people that they can recognize as human beings is us. (laughs) But it's our job to teach them that. So we're kind of in a tough place because we're the ones that it's the hardest for them to recognize. It might not be until their 20s or even 30s that they realize their parents are actual People but we 're also the ones who are responsible for teaching them how to recognize what 's going on with other people so so it's t- it 's a tough one it's a tough you know one. I think partly because <laughs> i 'm right there i 'm living with teenagers as we
1: speak i I get that, and part of what 's so hard about it as parents, like you said we're, we work to create the safe space where they can be themselves. We want them to have their own opinions to be able to express mm-hmm. themselves. And when a lot of that naturally starts coming back at us, we as parents are trying to walk that line between, you know, allowing them their voice and teaching them, it's not okay to treat me this way. And we're constantly negotiating inside
2: our own heads. Like where do I draw that line? Another challenge with that is the way your child acts inside the home is not always the way they act outside the home. And so, You may think your teen doesn't know how to treat Uh, their teachers or their coaches or other people that they interact with out in the world would maybe they're just treating you that way. Maybe they're treating everybody else with the the appropriate level of respect and understanding and listening. So you may have a skewed view of where your child is, as I call it, on the asshole spectrum (laughs) or on their asshole journey. You may be much more worried than you need to be because of your personal relationship. I really think I need to add an asshole
1: spectrum grade. I I don't know. I got to create like home report cards for each of my (laughs) children. And at the end of the day, here's where you are on the asshole spectrum. And they can do it for me too. Like I have
2: good days and bad days. sure. Yeah,
0: sure. What do you think, Janet? I think that's brilliant. (laughs) And I really want to also point out to our listeners as you know, as you're feeling like the the way they are out in the world is not the way they are with our family. So as you were saying, this family chapter, I just opened the book and you've got charts. And this is what's so brilliant about the layout of the book is there's a chart that is like, here's the jerk thing to say, I'm going out with my friends. And then you have right alongside it, better things to say. I think this is so right down the alley of what we always talk about with boys and especially with younger boys is sometimes you have to give them the words. Yes. You are giving them the words because we may say to them, you know, don't just tell me you're going out with your friends, but what do they say instead? And you've got the, the suggestion of, you know, you could say, would it be okay if I meet up with the guys at Wingstop, then go to Jake's house afterwards. And then I love your tips that you throw in. Uh, throw in a couple of details about what you're doing so that your parent has some information upon which to base their decision. If there's no decision involved, you're not technically asking. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. I've had that conversation <laughs> with my children. I, I think th-
1: with mixed success, right? Like they might remember the next time to phrase it as a question and then not again. And you know, one of the things I like as a parent, I am always looking for backup because I know, especially when my kids are teenagers, my voice is kind of the one that they are least likely to listen to. Mm-hmm. So if there are other parents and other coaches who are encouraging good behavior and respect, God bless you. I need all the help I can get right now. So one of the things I, as a parent, like about this book, which I can leave laying around the house mm-hmm. in random places, is that
2: it's somebody else saying it's not just crazy mom. That's right. That's right. I mean, how, how many times have we heard our kids saying, you're the only parent who does this. You're the only parent who says that. And we know that's not true. We know it's not Because
1: true. we talk to each other. How they right. miss that, I just don't know. But they, <laughs> they seem to think that we don't talk to one another, that we're not connected with each other on social media like they
0: are. It's crazy. Jen, I got the funniest picture when you were just talking about that in my head, and that I could just see if our listeners can't see us. But I, Jen is holding up her book, and I'm envisioning post it notes in the pages of like, like Sam, here, read here. So, Tyler, I- this <laughs> one. <laughs> That's a good idea. I love I can
1: have that. color-coded post-it notes <laughs> for each child. I love it. I love it. I do still have post-it notes in Boys and Sex, Peggy Orenstein's book, that one section that I want them to read, and it's still laying around in the living room, and so I need to follow up on that. Yes, post-it notes and me and books are a thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you need to put some like uh, nacho chips in between the pages or something to... Uh... So one of the things I'm curious
1: about is what were some of the issues that you dealt with with your sons as they were growing up through that asshole stage as when you were thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if they are ever going to become a decent
2: human? I have been very lucky with my sons. Uh, the police knock wood, have not been to our home, and they've been to <laughs> they, mine. They got through school with no problems, so you know I I recognize that we've had like a very fortunate run with these two guys.
1: I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits, and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit envoys. That's armoir.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet.
2: Uh, I will say that one thing that is really troubled me and it can, continues to just really be on my mind is they're both very clever, funny boys. And I think it's really hard for them to understand that people outside their cohort don't perceive of what they think is a joke as a joke. And I think they're very unaware that when they're with their friends, if they're making jokes that they, they believe are promoting kindness to others, that they are, are saying maybe uh, racist things in a sarcastic way uh, to amongst themselves point out that how ridiculous they think other people's views are, That when other people overhear that or see that, or if people who are connected with them in some way on social media who don't know their hearts are seeing that, the just a joke defense, I'm just having a really tough time getting past that with the boys. So that's a big challenge and a worry to me that the things that they think are hilarious because, you know, quite honestly the next generation is doing a lot better than we are in a lot of ways in terms of seeing other humans as people and accepting people where they are and being open to people with different experience from themselves but when they make fun of people in the generations before them for having more narrow views i don't think that everyone will know that their heart is in the right place and so i worry very much about them saying
0: the wrong thing in front of the wrong
2: person, even though I think they're trying to do the right thing.
0: And this makes me think of your article, Jen, about memes and teens and how that humor is, it's skewed. And they may think that it's funny, but as you say, Kara, other people overhear it and it doesn't sound funny.
2: Exactly, all. exactly.
1: I struggle with this as a parent, too, and as a human, I'm also wrestling with you know, is this going to end up being a shift in how people communicate because their generation is using a different approach to how they talk about things, and so it's different than ours, so. I am concerned, especially as my boys get into the larger world and, you know, things like the workforce and where Mm -hmm. you're working with older people who don't find those things funny. Yes. Yes. But are we going to shift in that direction? I don't know. And I am with you. I have concerns. It's difficult to talk to my boys about it because of course they accuse me, you know, you just don't get it. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. And there's some truth to that. And then there's the ever popular, okay, boomer. Which I am not. Oh yes,
0: yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna. (laughs) This is fresh, just hot off the press this morning. I had an email from a concerned dad that his ten-year-old son is laughing. Ten-year-old son who, a couple days ago, expressed concern about the coronavirus and you know what's happening. Today I get an email from the dad saying, "What do I say to my son who is now laughing and calling this, I hadn't heard this, maybe you haven't or have, calling the coronavirus the boomer remover?" I did hear that today, <sighs> and I'm going to be honest, I laughed. Okay, <laughs> Jen, but you're not a boomer, I'm a boomer. Oh, I understand. I didn't laugh. It's exactly what you're saying, Kara. About how do we go? Okay, yeah, all right. There is a little humor in that. I can see that, but yet here's this dad trying to communicate to his son the seriousness of what is happening in the world, and there's that place of yeah, we've got to have some levity, right? Otherwise, we would lose our minds right now. Um, But I think it's you know it's this dilemma, this push pull that you're talking about of how do we acknowledge and yet like, Ooh, that's, you know, there's it's a time so hard. and you have to be aware.
2: Right. It's so, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I, I'm not an expert. I am just a mom. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not trained in this area. I can only tell you what I try, what I try. And maybe sometimes it works and other times it doesn't work, which is to personalize it, to say, have you thought about, and actually I sent a text to my older son this morning, who's traveling. And he's like, you know, don't worry, I won't get sick, da, da, da. And I'm like, you need to think of saving the grannies, right? It's not about you. It's about the people that you come in contact with, the cashier at the rest stop, the person who's serving you your lunch, the, you know, people that are in your elevator. It's not about you. It's about them. Think about the other people. And so with that boomer remover joke, it's like, you know, Do you know who is a boomer? Let's talk about people in our life that we know. You know, how would you feel about them being removed by this virus? And, you know, it might be funny with you and your 10-year-old friends, but other people can hear you. Other people can see you. You know, you need to think about how that impacts them.
1: Here's the text that I sent to my oldest son this morning, Uh, my (laughs) oldest son, who has always been very business-minded business and money minded Mm -hmm. in a good way. Right. And he's got a business major. He's minoring in economics. This is his area in the world. He is extremely upset and concerned because all this stuff is being shut down by governments. And, um, he says, and if anybody's saying in abundance of caution, I hope you have to look into the eyes of every small business owner that goes bankrupt because of this. And he was really upset. And so I said, Nate, the flip side is true. Do you want to look into the eyes of somebody and say, I'm sorry, we don't have any more ventilators? And he basically said, yeah, I'll do it. And so I said, grandma, grandpa, his grandparents are legitimately Mm -hmm. the people who are at highest risk of this. Now, am I changing his mind? Truthfully, probably not. Or if I am, is he going to say that to me? Probably not.
0: But you're expanding. You're opening up his viewpoint.
1: And that's what I think, we're all feeling our way through this, Mm -hmm. but I think that's what we can do. Like we can acknowledge that, okay, that is pretty clever and kind of funny just as a joke, but like you said, there's real people. And even if they don't acknowledge that we've said those things, I got to trust it's getting in there somewhere.
2: And, you know, and I do like it. Your son is thinking about real people, right? Because he's thinking about the small business owners. And a lot of people aren't recognizing that when restaurants are closed and uh, different services are shut down, shift workers are not getting paid. They won't be able to pay their rent. You know, these business owners won't be able to, you know, make their bills. And so he's thinking about people. He's just thinking about different people. So. So, you know, it is, I think we just have to keep working at it, like you said, and keep expanding their world to, to things are complex. It's not that easy. And you don't always have to pick a side, you know, you can think a little longer and harder about things and be okay with not knowing the answer.
1: I like that you pointed out to me that he is thinking about and considering other people. And on one level, I did recognize that because I commented to my husband this morning, you know, my son has always been more business-minded. And that's where he goes and his concern. My background, I was a nurse before I became a writer. So my concern is always health, education, families. So we're both concerned about people. We just tend to focus on different issues. Yep. yep. And that's okay. He is a different human being from me. And hopefully we will both become non-asshole human beings and do good in the world. Hopefully we all will. One of the quotes that I loved from your book, you wrote, Acting like an asshole doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't even necessarily mean you're an asshole. What it means is that you don't understand how your man-sized presence is affecting other people in the moment and how that is going to affect you in the long run. That is hugely profound, and I think if we can get that message through to our sons it's it's just a little different angle on being a good person than i've heard previously and i appreciate you laying
2: it out like that oh i'm glad i'm glad that resonated with you i and i think part of it is part of what we need to try to do or part of what i've had more success with, with than other attempts failed attempts to get through to my sons is to help them understand the consequences of their decisions And so, you know, Janet can speak more to this than I can, but teens are, are not terrifically skilled at anticipating the long-term consequences of their actions. And so when we give them general advice, like be kind or respect women, It's not clear to them how that will benefit themselves. And so, you know, if we can give them specific examples, like you were saying earlier, of, you know, don't say this, say that, you know, think about it in this way, and maybe this action will help get you out of a jam. And in the end, that means. You'll have more people on your team, more people will want to help you, it's going to facilitate your way forward, you'll have better opportunities, those will build on their next opportunities. If, if we can be very specific in explaining to them the consequences of even small choices, but also the very big ones, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it can maybe help motivate them to, to do the right thing rather than speaking in platitudes.
0: Mm -hmm. Platitudes don't work, do they, Janet? Not a (laughs) bit. Yeah, so you have really provided a roadmap, Kara, and I think it's really valuable. Um, The one thing I will say is for our listeners, if you're considering, we hope you're considering getting this book, is if your son is on the younger side, you might want to explain sarcasm to him. He might, there might be some kids that don't quite get sarcasm. Uh, I'd say the majority, mm, this is broad, but the majority of boys absolutely love sarcasm, but just make sure that they kind of know. Cause there, there is some delicious sarcasm <laughs> in this book, I must say. And you have really provided this roadmap with the specific recipe to get to that end goal of, we have raised a decent human being here and a good person. So thank you so, so much for, for a really different take on the genre of another book about boys. This is really for boys and is a great conversation starter for parents and boys and teachers and boys also.
2: Oh thank you so much that that feedback really means a lot to me because very few people have read the book yet. <laughs> and so to speak with moms like yourself and um, you know experts in the field and to know that it it resonated with you and you think it it can help other boys and other families I really really appreciate that. I got to tell you I
1: tossed the book in front of my 14-year-old at breakfast this morning because Janet wanted to know what my boy's thought of it and he looked at it and like your boys very subdued response. He's like, Oh yes. Yeah. It's not bad. And then he tossed it aside. But if he (laughs) thought it was terrible, trust me, we would have heard about that. So (laughs) it's not bad. Quote, Sam age 14.
2: Yeah. They don't hold
1: that. Go forth and anti-asshole movement, parents and teachers of boys. Let's unite. Let's empower our boys And let's commit yet again to raising a generation of men who are not assholes. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.